My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into the third Judd's Hockey Show of the week. We did one Monday talking about what was going to happen with the Wilds uh, coaching situation. We did one Monday evening because the Wild made a coaching change. We did an emergency episode with me at U.S. Bank Stadium before the Vikings game. Uh, and Declan talking about the firing of Dean Evason and the hiring of new coach John Hines. And then the Wild played last night and they won. No surprise there. But as you can see, it's not just Judd and Declan. It's Jesse Pierce as well, who joins us each Wednesday. Bar down beauties, fame, NHL.com. She does a great job covering the wild. If there is a hockey event in this town, she is going to be at it. And speaking of that, speak of the devil, she just got back from the wild's practice. So, Jesse, you, you are both um, an analyst for us and an insider, dare I say so. Tell us what you gleaned today from John Hines the day after the wild breaks her seven-game losing streak. I mean, first things first, the Minnesota Wild practiced at Tria Rink, which is something that they haven't done under the Dean Evason regime, especially after a win, especially on a travel day. The Minnesota Wild facing the Nashville Predators tomorrow. Ironically, John Hines's uh, old stomping grounds, he was fired from there May 30th, where they replaced him with Andrew Brunette. Um, you know, John Hines, still a lot of watching from his perspective, and he's going to have to do that, right? I mean, he's going to have to quickly implement it but with these two quick games he also wants the team to kind of show him what they have so he knows what he's working with which I think is a smart move the one interesting tidbit I found from practice was he stopped and uh barked a little bit not negatively but certainly yelled and and was teaching his techniques which I think is is good again um you know Dean was a little bit more soft-spoken sometimes on the ice and and as we as media members know I think John Hines might be ready to give them a little kick but for now He's playing it out, seeing how the chemistry works. I noticed him pulling Matt Zuccarello aside and some of the other longtime uh, forwards that, that look on your face. Yep, yep. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, you'll see the same lines tomorrow in Nashville that you saw last night, the Minnesota Wild coming off that victory 3-1 to against the Blues. Um, but then there's plenty of time between then and the Chicago game for John Hines to really put his fingerprint on this team, which the vocabulary word that he loves to use is speed. So he's going to work in that, I think, more for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, they, they, they definitely, in classic hockey fashion, had a little bit more of a, I like Jesse's word, bark there. They, they just, uh, I know John Hines can get a little angry, but they had a little bit more of a step uh, with them yesterday. Of course, Matt Boldy finally scores a goal under a new head coach. Uh, so that'll just like get the ball rolling naturally. Kirill Kaprizov will then just magically start playing very well. Um, as I tongue in cheek tweeted out both of you last night, being you know all, all I was telling you, they just needed they just needed John Hines to get a PK figured out and get their second best player in, in the right direction in Matt Boldy. So that's all this team needed. They just needed a bald, bland, classic, quintessential <laughs> hockey coach to get this team right back in the right direction. Billy G's I, buddy. Yeah, that's good that's buddies. It. That's it. So Jesse, what's your so give me um, a couple things. Give me your um, your thoughts on because. You know, Dean being let go was the obvious headline, but Bob Woods, who was in charge of a PK that was just absolutely atrocious. How much do you think that that is going to help things? The, the PK good last night, but St. Louis's power plays awful. And more importantly, let's talk about what happened here. Cause I'm still at sort of a loss. Like I get it. It's hockey, but I'm at sort of a loss because, you know, this team, let's just say it. Declan's probably right. They're not that good. Like, they're not this great team. They got some good players, a few. But here's what I don't get. The way that they played last night, 
which by the way, John Hines didn't come in and like change things. He didn't put in a new system. He might, he will probably, but he didn't. And I guess where I'm confused is what happened here to where this team was so lethargic, dead ass. Like that's the thing that just really hit me. And last night we saw them compete. And if they compete, they can win some games. They're not going to beat everybody, but they're going to win games. I mean, it's, the best way to use guilt maybe is to leverage that into a good game because all those guys felt guilty. They all really liked Dean Evson. I don't think Dean Evson necessarily ever lost control of the room. I question whether he fully had it necessarily too, with all of the player closed door meetings and, and all of this, but I mean, ultimately Dean was the easiest one to go. That's the first chip to fall. And I think each and every player knew it's because we are not performing well. We are underwhelmingly performing terribly. And I think they recognized that and said, hey, between that and then losing seven straight, because that is embarrassing. It is, they just were not playing good hockey. Now, granted, you saw spurts of good hockey within the past three games. Detroit game aside, the Colorado game, the Toronto game, and the Ottawa game, Minnesota looked like they were starting to kind of figure some things out and, again, still having some ugly mistakes. So, no. John Hines didn't do anything. That was still Bob Woods' penalty kill, and that was still Dean Evson's uh, handprints all over that team. I just think the guilt of being like, holy cow, we got this guy fired. He lost his job. Because even today, the players were still talking about that. I spoke with Marc-Andre Fleury, and he was like, you know, it's it's sad. We cost somebody their job because we as players couldn't get it together. So I think they've realized that. And again, the frustration combined. Um, so it'll be interesting. That's why I want to give John Hines kind of the benefit of the doubt. Again, he hasn't put anything on this team just yet. And this team isn't dramatically changed because they beat an up and down St. Louis Blues team, right? So right. still some time to be told. Uh, Nashville's very hot right now. So that's going to be a big game. And then Chicago coming to town on Sunday afternoon. I mean, those two games, the Chicago game in particular, you'll see a little bit more of Hines in. I would have to imagine maybe with line changes or different systems in place. But ultimately... I think the team felt guilty for getting Dean fired. Yeah, I saw the Felino interview um, pre-puck drop last night, and you know you could tell it he was super disappointed. And you know uh, what he got here during the first uh, era or towards the end of the Boudreaux era, I believe Marcus did, and then you know really kind of blossomed under Dean with a, a big offensive season and kind of fell into the moose role of being a fan favorite and whatnot. So you can tell if they're upset. It's just, it is interesting because I, I think the vibe is different from, you know, what we've experienced as media members or fans or whoever. We have experienced, what, four of these type of coaching changes now in the last 10 years between Yo and Boudreaux and now Dean. So, like, we're kind of used to this to a degree, and they're all been very uniquely done. You know, the Boudreaux one kind of wasn't surprising, but the timing a little bit was surprising. The Yo one, I mean... My God, that, that that was like the definition of just a colossal combustion of attitudes and a coach being unfortunately in over his head. And then with Dean, it just kind of felt like, well, this is the scapegoat. I don't think Dean ever, didn't necessarily do anything wrong like Yo where he lost the room or he just wasn't qualified. And I don't think it was a complete uh, shock like Boudreaux where Bruce was definitely on the hot seat and was entering a contract year, but you knew the writing was on the wall, but the rug got pulled out maybe a little sooner than we thought. And it is interesting how this team responds now, because it is a quintessential hockey thing for it to happen where they go out like they did yesterday and play really well to Jess's point. Did they play a lot better uh, against the predators tomorrow? That'll be a better test, but it's just, it's, I'm trying to weigh like how much is this legitimate? And then also like, is this team really going to be any different than it was for the first, you know, six to seven weeks of the season? What do you think, Jess? 
No, they're not going to be any different. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sorry. I think this team is what they is, and I've been kind of fighting Warriors the past couple of days because everyone's like, well, it's the same team as last year. Last year's team wasn't that good. They were lucky. They got 103 points because they would get some lucky bounces at the end. They were some come-from-behind victories. I mean, they weren't you're, – you're right. It's the same team for all intents and purposes, but that wasn't that great of a team either. It's a mediocre team with some better-than-average players on it, and I think that's just who the Minnesota Wild are, and I think that's okay. I think there needs to be kind of this sigh of, like, it's okay that that's what they are. I mean, you can't change that dynamic. A new coach isn't going to change that dynamic. You can't trade your way out of problems, as we've discussed. Um, you can level it out. You can play better hockey. You can play simple hockey. You're not. That doesn't mean they need to go rattle off an eight-game win streak to counter this. They certainly need to go in there, but I think you're going to see them performing a little bit harder than they have. I think now that they got that streak off their back, they'll come in, but it's going to be low-scoring games. I think you're going to see two to one, three to two. I mean, it's going to be those tight games which aren't nearly as exciting and which can be a little bit harder to win, but I think that's how the Minnesota Wild are going to have to do it, which maybe is also part of this shock to the system that they're going to have to realize. They're not the Kevin Fiala of years past where they're flying down in this high-octane offense. Like, nope, that's just not who you guys are. Well, and to your point, I, I thought the first period – Last night, I still thought that they were a little bit shell shocked, and but then in in the second, I thought they started to play really well, and they put on pressure. Binnington made some nice saves, but but just that's the one thing. Like we didn't see more goals. No, like it's not like they won five to one and like pulled away. So, but what here's the thing that I'm so I'm sort of split between you and X. The thing that I'm wondering because yes, top to bottom, this team is not like there's no. Uh, there's no switch to flip and all of a sudden they start to score a ton of goals or look great. But what I want to see is this. And and these are the guys that I fault for Dean being fired. And, and it's like why I thought Dean had to go. It's what you refer to, Jesse, the upper echelon players. Like Zuccarello again last night. I mean, he had a couple of just golden chances. And I don't know what's I, – I mean, he can score goals. That's allowed. The rule book, I looked it up. Zuccarello can <laughs> score goals. But, you know, Kaprizov – I mean, here's my problem. If we're going to look at their upper echelon players and be like, yeah, they're okay, but then the pressure all comes down on one guy, and that's Bill Guerin. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what they've done farm system-wise because I know that there's prospects, and, and I know that the future in some ways looks very bright. So – Keep that in mind. But if we're going to say, well, Boldy is, you know, I mean, he's sort of who who he is. And Kirill's going to disappear at times now. And Zuccarello, I mean, he's sort of old. To me, that's a Bill Guerin problem because you've just signed, you know, in the case of Boldy and Zuccarello and that group, you've just signed guys and Spurgeon. I mean, Spurgeon, I haven't seen him much. Um, Those are the guys I expect a lot more from. So I'm not willing to accept that they're okay. If they're okay, then your GM, in my opinion, is in trouble. Let let me say this too, because I feel like there is a like a, a misconception that because you know Bill Guerin, hashtag friend of the show, has come on this program a lot, that we are Bill Guerin defenders no matter what. Um, and I think it's safe to say that all three of us, and I'll even put myself maybe at the top of this mountain, question those extensions. By uh, by by the thousandth degree, right? I had no idea why they were signing those veteran players. But at the end of the day, everyone knew, even if Bill Guerin is at fault here for this poor start and for those contract extensions, he wasn't going anywhere. Like Bill Guerin wasn't going to be reprimanded, wasn't going to be fired, wasn't going to be let go for those decisions. And unfortunately, it did fall on Dean. I think that's unfair. Yes, of course, from a human element or even just a workplace manner, seeing someone be fired like that. 
completely unfair. But Garen wasn't going to go anywhere. So this ends up falling on the coach because the because this team sold this bill of goods to Jess's point of, no, they're a 103-point team. Well, they've kind of overachieved to a degree. I think that the best chance the Wild had to make a run was two years ago when they faced the Blues and they lost and they had that high-octane offense. That was the time, in my opinion, for them to probably make a run and they fell completely on their face in that first-round series. Last year wasn't the case, and obviously they overachieved. So unfortunately, Dean was the one that had to go. But Bill Guerin, let it be known, deserves plenty of criticism, and rightfully so, for the contract extensions he handed out. I completely. I mean, I would completely agree. And you know what? It was probably very admirable because we asked Bill Guerin, do you regret those contract decisions? And it's never the money for me. That was never the money. It was the commitment to the term right. for some of those guys. And it was the time. You didn't want to wait the season out. You didn't want to see how Ryan Hartman and Marcus Foligno were going to perform. I get Matt Zuccarello. You're trying to keep Kirill happy more than likely. You want to say he's going to be around. But it was the time in which he did it, and it was the length of time. Because, again, we talk about the great prospects down in Iowa, and we've got all these really good developing players. You're not giving them that opportunity. But Bill Guerin, true to who he is, stood right by him. He said, I know a lot of people probably think I'm crazy. I stand by these decisions. And he has to, because he has to wear that. Because now that Dean Evson is gone, now that that card has been played, Bill Guerin, this is Bill Guerin's team. It's his guys. He's picked every single thing. He is all over this team. And so the next one to fall would have to be him, because this, these are all of his decision-making. And, and most of the time, it turns out better than we expect. We're heavy on the criticism when they're first made. And usually, Bill Guerin somehow magically waves his little wand, and it turns out to be okay. This year, right. I don't know if that's the case. Again, it just feels off. Everything kind of just feels off kilter, and that's probably due to the losing streak and the slow start, but just really, I don't know how you get that back. Uh, Bill Guerin talked about Dean Evson not having that it factor and the whole team not having that it factor, and I asked him, I said, what is the it factor? And he's like, that swagger, that confidence. I don't know that that's going to come back after one, two, three games. You're going to have to do a lot more than that. And that's two consecutive years because that he said the same exact thing after the Reeves trade at Thanksgiving last year. Um, what I'm hoping can come from, from this, because I do think that Bill and, and Judd Brackett, who's their scouting director, who does a good job, he's very good. I do think that they are building something here that can have success long term. But here's what I hope. And this goes back to the Goligoski contract, which was ridiculous. The Merrill contract, ridiculous. Um I, I mean, those two are just irresponsible contracts. But what I hope is this, and, and I think Bill Guerin was slapped with this reality, unfortunately. And, you know, he gave out all of those extensions. And to be honest, I feel like a lot of guys started this season playing comfortable. Well, I got my contract. I'm in good shape. I got a no move clause, which again, I would I would not hand those out. Um, but it feels to me, like the one thing Bill has to accept, and I know he's a longtime player, and I know that he was a captain, and I know that this is probably very difficult to transition from the locker room to the front office, but it's this. Loyalty can only go so far, right? Because yeah. just to your point, you're right. You've got guys in Iowa that probably very soon deserve to be here. And by the way, those guys, one, they might be talented, but two, they'll work their asses off. And you're giving out contracts to everybody who comes by who you like like when you look at Felino and Hartman and Zuccarello let's just pick two maybe 
maybe one like the Zuccarello decks, the Zuccarello no, contract. No. We we talked about though, but I sort of got that one right. Capri mm-hmm. Sub, Zuccarello, peanut butter and jelly. I sort of got that, but like, why are why are you giving out extensions to people who are aging? And by the way, I could tell you as an old guy. Sometimes when you get security, it's the worst thing you could possibly do. You just have like that's the lesson. Like that, you know. <laughs> no, no, social security be long, be long gone in ten years. So <laughs> I'm not counting on that. Um, but yeah, it, that part was interesting, and and that's where you know the Hartman one, and I think even when did he resign Goudreau? Was that last winter, or last at the or at the New Year, I believe of last? I forget when that timing happened. It was during it, yeah. Yeah, Why are you giving yeah. like a six-year contract to an incredibly replacement yeah, level player? Right. And the Hartman one is just like vindictive, I think, on my end at this point. But like, I didn't understand why those two want why those two especially got handed out. I just didn't think it was worth it. The Goligoski one was simply because they were scratching him so much, and he was like two games away from his a thousandth game that they handed him a new contract <laughs> to say, "We promise we'll get you to a thousand <laughs> games next year." That's the only reason. But it had a they complete no move extension. Uh, yes, yeah. and the no move was also hilarious because they didn't want him to go anywhere. He, he negotiated that. Well, and that's, and you know, we asked Bill Guerin because that's the biggest problem with these contracts. He slaps on no moves for Hartman and Felino to get these contracts done. And he's like, well, because the guys like them. Well, sure, the guys like them. Of course they do. It gives them that stability and that's, but it doesn't Comfort. need to be done. Give it to them next year. Hold out a little bit longer. Be a, be, grow some balls, Billy. Like, let's do something. <laughs> wow. like, push back on that. Wow, Jesse coming after Billy Guerin. Uh, I did. I went a little toe to toe with him yesterday. I didn't get any of the answers I needed. Never do, but still love him. And I still, I mean, yeah, Again, it's not personal. It's, it's easy to be critical right now. And it's because in my head, I'm like, you know, this is going to work out. We're all going to be like, oh, of course, Billy does it again. But I don't this year. I just don't know. It doesn't. But does it? Like they don't. But they don't win in the playoffs. I don't think it I, like do I do I think he's a disaster? Absolutely not. OK, mm-hmm. but do I think it works out? They haven't been past the first round of the playoffs since what? 2015 with Chuck Fletcher. Do I think it works out? You got John Hines. You didn't run a coaching search, and he's got. It sounds like a multi-year contract. Like I don't know, it works out. I, I I feel like there's a loyalty here that's misguided because I'm sorry, professional sports is all about keeping people relatively uncomfortable. They're athletes. They're competitors. Like they're not mm-hmm. wired like you and me and Declan. So I I don't know that it does. I like the guy because he's a hockey guy and he's fun to talk to. And I mean, he was a great player. So I like I like where he's coming from. I don't know that from a manager standpoint, though, I don't know it does work out. And quite frankly, I don't think I would have turned around and given my friend John Hines a multi-year contract instantly. Sorry. There is a weird trust level from Leopold because, you know, if you look at the last three GMs that they've had, like Chuck Fletcher, you saw the, again, saw the writing on the wall if this was going to go, that this was running its course and he was, he was going to move on. He had to fire Paul Fenton after basically workplace issues and not necessarily all hockey issues. And then there's Bill Guerin, who's a cup winner, incredibly well-respected among his peers, climbing the ranks as an executive. And it's obviously a hands-off approach. And Craig, who's more of a fan, um, has this trust level in Bill of all that pedigree that I laid out of. Well, he trusts him. He trusts him to make these decisions. And to Judd's point, there has to still be some type of accountability and some type of uncomfort. Like, you know, as even look, 
we Judd and I have bosses. Jesse has a boss. Like, you know, there you have you want to have a good relationship with your boss, but at the end of the day, there is a line that you know you still have to know as much as you might like your boss. There is a comfort line there that you can't really cross before you'd be surprised if something bad happens. So the whole thing is very weird that I think Leopold trusts Garen because of all the pedigree I laid out, and it's so much more different than Chuck Fletcher, who would just love to wheel and deal and make random trades for Sean Bergenheim, and then Paul Fenton, who was just, let's be honest, a really bad person to be around. So he just he just gives Garen basically the benefit of the doubt. I feel yeah. like Garen, though, but but I will I will say this though i feel like there is a silver lining if you begin to cut the cord with with some of these vets because i do think they're building up a system and i think jesse hit it right on the head there has to be room there has to be room like they still be and it's partially because of the cap problems but they're still calling up guys from iowa as basically place fillers instead of there's some decent players there. What what's the kid's name? Mermis, the defenseman? Mm-hmm. Dakota Mermis. Dakota Mermis. Yes. Okay. I didn't mind him. Mm. I'd rather watch him than Johnny Merrill. I'd rather watch him than a lot of those guys on that third pairing defense. So that's what that's what I just I, I think that Bill Guerin and Judd Brackett might be just on the right track, but you just can't have all of these uh basically pieces have filled up your chessboard and you can't get the pieces that should be eventually ascending up here. I mean, cause that's exactly what it is. It's funny. I've been calling for a rebuild as of late. I think a rebuild should have started to happen last year because you knew that these salary cap restraints were going to be so hard. I think Bill Guerin obviously knew that. I don't think he recognized how truly difficult it was going to be. Like you said, you can't recall a player. If you wanted to bench Matt Boldy because he continued to perform poorly, you couldn't do that unless he wanted to go 11-7 and seven because you can't recall another forward good enough to replace him with Ryan Hartman on suspension right now, obviously. But, I mean, it's just, even in those situations, you are two hands behind your back. I mean, last year, Dean had one hand behind his back. This year, it was two because there was so little that you can do with this roster. And a rebuild allows room for young players. That's what a rebuild is. Right now, that's not what's happening. And that's Bill Guerin's excited about that. That's the Craig Leopold thing. Ever since Craig Leopold has taken over this Minnesota Wild organization, he refuses to go into a rebuild. He'd prefer to get into the first round. But it's kind of silly. It's like, why? Especially when you're hearing all this greatness that Judd Brackett can find these players. And, oh, my gosh, and the Iowa players are so good. You never get to see them. You won't get to see them because they're no longer these young, fresh, amazing, talented players when they're 26, 27, 28 years old, finally getting into the NHL. You got to do what Detroit's done. You got to do what Anaheim's done. And, I mean, yes, it's, it's not exactly fun. It's not easy. But I would rather that and know that you have a contender five years down the road, six years down the road, then watch what we're witnessing and watch the just enough because it's just, it's not enough anymore at this point. I mean, especially this core that Bill Guerin has attached himself to. It's one of the less talented cores. I think that the wild have had in years. I mean, Nino Ninerider, Charlie Coyle and Mikhail Granlund. That was probably and Jason Zucker, probably a better core together that I would have looked at extension than Marcus Foligno and Ryan Hartman. So if John Hines wants speed boys and girls, which I love. Okay. It's it's 2024, just about. That's awesome. But I got a question. If John Hines wants speed, and he's going to tell this team, all right, I want to play with speed. And I think a couple of years ago, this team had the speed to play the, the way that John Hines is going to want. 
Does the 2023-24 Wild have enough overall talent and speed to play that game and win consistently? No. <laughs> no. No. But I mean, that's my point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like he's going to come in here and and I will say this. I think a couple of years back, two or three years back, they did play at pace and it was fun to watch. But I think with where things stand now and and again, aging players, I don't know that you can I mean, you can you play it that way some nights? Sure you can. Can you play that way consistently? I guess I don't get it. Yeah, I, I hate mean, to be a downer, but no. they, they don't have they don't have those horses to to play. Mm-hmm. And to Jess's point, now they're really like the Wild have always been that classic national narrative of never good to be elite and never bad to be you know tanking. But now they are like firmly tires in the mud of of that. They they are not getting out of that drift either. They are stuck in this in where they are here. And with those extensions that you handed out, yeah, you probably could have had a couple trade pieces that wouldn't have netted you like franchise altering moves, but you know, to stockpile a couple day two or day three NHL draft picks to a degree, or or I should say mid round draft picks still helps you out and still figures out some salary cap stuff. And they still have to do this one more time for a full season next year with these buyouts. So that's where it just, to me made no sense to hand them out. And that's where, yeah, they don't have the speed. They don't have the talent. Can they win a, get on a winning streak here and win a couple games coming up? Of course they could. It's hockey. But it's mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to be a team that I probably really take seriously unless it just completely takes off the rest of the way. Jesse, um, if this team continues to be okay or worse, who can they, when the deadline arrives, who can they trade? Like what do they have to, to trade? Probably to Declan's point for draft picks. But like draft picks, when, when you have a guy like Brackett, Draft picks are important because he's going to probably have a decent chance to hit on said picks Uh, with all of the no move clauses that have been handed out. Now, who can they move? Do you think? Uh, Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy, you guys want to do that? Should we do that? We could do that. Brock Faber, you could do that. All of that. No, but is there anyone? Like, is there There any? I mean, you have, it's funny. I just looked this up the other day. Okay. I've got it now. Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Boldy, Jules Erickson, Eck, Brandon Duhame, Connor Dewar, Vinny Letary, Jake Middleton, and John Merrill are your only players without any sort of protection on this team as of right now. Marco Rossi is under his ELC, um, so that has a little bit of protection with him as is Brock Faber. That's it. That's all you got, and you're not going to do that with any of those players. I mean, it's just not. It's just not going to happen. Unfortunately, I don't think Marcus Johansson comes back. I think this is his final year of his extension, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean. That'll free up, uh, what's he at, $2 million? So, yeah, he's a free agent next well, year. And, and that's, yeah, that's all you got. Bust. Yeah. Thanks it's... for showing up, JoJo. <laughs> We're getting the you, old literally JoJo got that your... we didn't want. He got his contract. Uh, he literally got, got his contract and has disappeared. I mean, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I was trying to watch him, his shifts last night, because I'm like, what's happened to this guy? Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's not good. It's, it's not good, but it's tough to see. Yeah. I mean, and Bill Guerin doesn't like to trade his draft picks because as you mentioned, there is faith in Judd Brackett and Judd Brackett's been successful. I agree with that here, right? I want to trade your players for draft yeah. picks, but like to your point, they don't have guys that they can trade. They don't have guys that they can trade. Is there tough anything? Scene. Is there anything? Okay. They won a game. They, they've got a game against Nashville on Thursday. Let's find, let's go around the room and start with Declan. What is one positive thing? I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to. Yep. What's one positive thing that you can say about the Minnesota Wild? Like as currently constructed? 
anything, any of just find anything. You might like the organist. I personally not not a huge fan of oh, the don't DJ get me started there, on but the I'm music selection that but I'm an old they haven't uh, changed it since 2004. Oh no, you know dude, you got to come to a game. It's gotten it's better. Has it gotten better? It's changed. Oh, it's sorry, DJ I have been now. boycotting for these reasons. So yeah, it's, it's like better. a club. It's like yeah, a club. It's fun. All right, if I heard Bon Jovi one more time, I was nope. going to lose nope, my nope. mind. It's a DJ. Oh, thank yeah. God. All right, well, In that's warm-ups, good. too. That's good. I'll give you an actual one. I'll give you an actual one, too. Um, I think Marco <laughs> Rossi taking the next step has been good. I think Marco Rossi taking this next step, finally, after looking like he could be a potential bust, and a big se- I mean, how many times have we asked Bill Guerin or fans asked Bill Guerin to find yourself yeah. a number one center to make this team better? And I think uh, Rossi is finally tracking in the direction of being maybe not the exact you know player ceiling that he was projected to be, but he is a more than capable NHL player, and he's a good piece to build around. So having Marco Rossi, I think, finally break out here is is good news if you're a Wild fan. What do you got, Jesse? That's the easy one. There's nothing else yep. good about this. No, I'm just let me go first. <laughs> this team doesn't have Corey Perry. Thank God, that's what we can go with. There I don't know. All right, Vince have we found out yet? That. Do we know yet what happened? I think it was an empl- it's an employee situation. I never yeah. believed the rumors. Those rumors oh, the rumor so wasn't it true. Was yeah, just ridiculous. But the Blackhawks allowed this because they don't do any because they're so unproactive. And Dubis, like he didn't, or not? Was it Kyle Dubis? Who's no, the GM? They're not Davidson. Kyle Dubis. Excuse Kyle me, Kyle Davidson. But, uh, but they look he, like the same guy. He didn't help himself at all with those. Yeah. Like I thought his PR, like the PR of those statements. I was like, this is not. Well, I mean, to, well. to their point, they did what they promised they would. They effective, like they pulled him out of the lineup right. immediately. Effectively, like went in, did their research, and then were like, all right, we're done. So I mean, they stuck true to like their attempt at changing the culture. But I, yeah, it was such I a hockey know. thing. It was such a it yeah. was such a Gary Bettman's National Hockey League PR blunder, and the Blackhawks don't get and they shouldn't they don't get the benefit of the doubt from anyone now. Mm-hmm. That's the thing too is they except for draft lotteries. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you know what I was thinking last night. If I'm Bedard, do I say, "Hey, you know what, guys? I really appreciate all you've done here, but I don't think you're over the right place for me." Hard pass. I don't think you're the right place for me. I think I'd rather go to Florida. I think I'd rather go to the Kings. Yeah. I just, the Black, I mean, the Blackhawks are a great, like, historic franchise, but they are just, it's just, they're such a dumpster fire. Anyway, I'm sorry. Positive, But a real, I mean, similar to Marco Rossi being a layup, Brock Faber as well. I mean, it still, it continues to astound me. Yesterday when we were speaking to him about the coaching change, like, how well-spoken he is. It's a reminder that he's done this for mm-hmm. so long with Team USA and with the Gophers and everything. So, I mean, he's just wise beyond his years, and I love speaking to him because he's so intuitive and he's just so – it's just I, I, I better than half – better than I can speak half the time. Um, and he performs well. I mean, I think there are two players that have showed up every night to every game, and he is one of them along with Marco. I think those are the only two guys that I've really trusted. And that's a part of – what could be the future of your rebuild? Matt Boldy, once he gets this figured out, because he will, I know he will, will also be a part of that conversation. Yeah. But I think Fabes is the big, other big, bright, shining star for your Minnesota Wild. As a person who's there on a, a daily basis, I have a question about Brock off the ice for you. Mm-hmm. Does it seem odd at all? And I know he's a really, really smart kid, and he is, to your point, well-spoken. But does it seem odd at all that he's being looked to by the press as like a go-to veteran quote i just thought it was interesting that he's talking about dean and he seems like he's been playing for 10 years and i saw spurgeon was quoted but it was sort of the spurgeon-esque like it just seems it seems odd to me 
kudos to Brock, first of all. I'm not criticizing him at all. Yeah. But it seems odd to me that he's like a go-to guy in his rookie season in a sport where ordinarily seniority is like a big deal. Um, I think that so yesterday's situation, because there were so many scrums going on, Brock just happened to be one of the last ones in the room. And so he was there while everybody else scattered and hid. Right. So, I mean, Spurgeon and Marcus paid the piper because they're wearing the letters. And then Brock. That's my point. But but that's the thing. I don't know that he's necessarily being selected for a reason other than the fact that he's there. He hasn't wised up to, oh, oh no, media's coming in. Again, well-spoken. And then he's got the Minnesota aspect. So Bally loves that angle. A lot of the other local writers can sometimes lean on that a little bit. So I don't. I don't know that we're like, oh, we got to talk to Brock. We got to get his thoughts. And they're, they're good thoughts. But that to me is just because it's kind of like, well, here's he he's here. And out of the younger players, he is probably one of the more well-spoken ones. So, I mean, given that choice, because sometimes it's nice to mix it up right between Spurge and Felino and like not just bug them or not just bug Boldy all the yeah. time. Like, let's get someone in there. So that's probably why you're seeing more of it. But that's just a that's my hunch anyway. My positive is this. John Hines, it's going to take a long look at this team. Long, hard look. And John Hines is hopefully going to put this team in the image that he wants. Perhaps that might be some changes. Leadership changes. Captain changes. That's my positive. My positive is that I am going to shake up the locker room again. Until I get this right, damn it, I'm going to shake it up. You want to and will I'm, this in more than you want John. I'm so tired of the wild choices at captain. I know it's not happening and I don't care. You know what? Unlike Bill Garrett, I don't care about feelings. I am so tired of going from Miko Koivu. I don't say much. Well, you don't say much because you're a dead ass to, you know, Jared Spurgeon, who's having Thanksgiving dinner. He's the captain because he's wrong with that. What's wrong with having Thanksgiving dinner with his teammates? He should, he should be, he should, he should be the planner. I love that. He should be. Doesn't make him captain material. Oh my God. <laughs> Doesn't make him captain material. He's the, he's the room mother of the team. That's awesome. Good for him. That doesn't qualify I him for the C. I want to bring this up with Phil. I want Phil to hear this. Take. It doesn't this, qualify him for the C. He has Thanksgiving it's dinner such with a Minnesota, the team. It's such it's not a Minnesota. Good for me. It's no. such a Minnesotan thing, though. Oh, oh, you have dinner for us. Oh, we should name him Captain. He's our guy. I mean, do you remember Dean would always say, "Oh, when things get bad on the bench, Jared's there to say, come on, guys, it's going to be fine.'" <laughs> That's not what a cap- little twelve-year-old voice. Hi, guys, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And guess what? One, that got Dean fired because it didn't work. And two, I, if you aren't using F-bombs to tell your teammates to get their asses in gear, then there's something wrong. New leadership. John Hines. Look at me, John. Look at me. Oh, good luck. Look at me. Look at me. All right, guys. Great stuff. Great show. Very spirited. Jesse, you brought your fastball. You told the GM to get balls. Some I did, balls. Didn't, I, oh, I did say that. I'm guessing that this will get back to him. It'll be outstanding. He yep. probably won't be happy with any of us. And you know what? That's okay. Billy, Billy. Thanks, Billy. N- it's nothing personal. It's all about effing championships. Dex? Pass, shoot, score, and hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota sports entertainment.